Welcome back to the Where's Home podcast with your host Mary Yuan. Today we're going to continue on this journey of exploring the meaning of home. We'll discuss how to build a sense of belonging, create our happy places, and most of all, bring our truest selves into everything we do in life. In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking to the founder and CEO of. Wong Salting, Jonathan Javier. Wong Salting is a career coaching platform that aims to turn underdogs into winners. Jonathan will share with us his insights into what home means, and especially in the workplace. Let's tune in. Jonathan,、um, thank you so much for being here with the Where is Home podcast.、Um, and we will start with this question: So, what is home to you, and how do you define home? Yeah. So, first off, thank you so much, Mary, for having me. I really do appreciate it. Home is where the heart is. Meaning, for me, where my home is is actually in LA,、mm-hmm. where my family is.、Mm-hmm. So my heart always goes out to my family because they're extremely close to me and important to me. Of course, even though I live in the Bay Area, I always take time to go back, especially to the Los Angeles area, to go visit、mm-hmm. because I know my mom, my dad, my brother and sister miss me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's always important to whenever you consider home, it's not only a physical place though; it's also a place specifically in your heart, as I mentioned. You could have a home specifically with anyone you connect with, right?、Mm-hmm. They could welcome you with open arms, and that could be a home. And that's what we try to do at Wansulting. Wansulting is a home to many of the underdogs trying to turn into winners, and that's what we've been able to establish throughout the past year and a half. So, yeah, home is where the heart is, and make sure that although home is usually seen as a physical place, it could be a abstract place too as well.、Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very beautiful way of defining home, because especially I think very relevant to today's world, right? People move a lot, right? So like,、mm-hmm. there are people living away from home, or living away from where they were born, or just moving around the world a lot. So this, especially from my own personal experience too, is like your, you know, what you're saying in terms of it's where the heart is. It does not. Really constrained to a physical location. I think it's very important for people to to know that.、Um, so, so how do you? So you're talking about you know LA is where your family is and how、uh, you feel connected to your home. So how do you create a sense of belonging, not only for yourself but for others? At long starting. Yeah. So how you create a sense of. Home and belonging is building a community,、mm-hmm. but like not just building a community. You got to be interactive with your community、mm-hmm. and show them recognition.、Mm-hmm. So, for example, for me, for one salting, yeah, I try to interact with every single person and every single comment. Like I see a lot of people who are really big, specifically on LinkedIn,、mm-hmm. they post content.、Mm-hmm. The thing is, they don't respond to everybody. Like、mm-hmm. I try to respond to everybody because I know for a fact if someone takes fifteen seconds out of their day to respond to me. Mm-hmm. Or make a comment. I should take 15 seconds to respond at least. 
So if you're able to build that community of individuals that believe in your content and believe in your company, then they'll organically help you, right? Because what you're doing when you respond is you're recognizing them for contributing to your community or your content. Mm -hmm. So I would 100% recommend for people to, I know it, it does take a while. Mm -hmm. Like maybe don't, I mean, you could respond to everybody, but like it does take a while. Like mm -hmm. I don't know how I do it, but uh -huh. somehow I do it. Yeah, I can, I can never see at 3 a.m. in the morning, you're still <laughs> responding yeah. to messages on LinkedIn, which is definitely a commitment, which I really appreciate that you're doing it. Uh, and I think you're really staying true to your mission, right? Which is building a community uh, where people can highly engage with it and then uh, feel that you're building a very personal uh, connection with them instead of feeling that, oh, that's just like a LinkedIn profile that's out there. And there's nothing that I could do with that. <laughs> so exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was wondering uh, for, for you know, you mentioned about one salting uh, in your life, right? So do you see that as your part of your home in a sense because of you pour so much time and energy into building this thing? Uh, so how do you relate to your work with? your definition of home. Yeah. So my work for one salting, I don't even see it as work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you wouldn't see me responding to messages at 3am if it was work. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for one salting, I just see it as something that I love doing and it's fun because I believe that like we talked about home is where the heart is and mm -hmm. my home is also with one salting because it's where my heart is and helping underdogs turn into winners. And also it's where I get all my energy from. Mm -hmm. Energy comes from passion, mm -hmm. right? And passion mm -hmm. comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. So when you are, for example, like working on your own business or your community, you have to put yourself out there and not see it as work, but see it as something that you would do every single day without monetary compensation mm -hmm. and enjoying the work that you do. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people get into positions or roles where they don't enjoy the work that they do and they simply go because it's a nine to five, mm -hmm. which is okay. But if you truly want to enjoy the work that you do and not see it as work, you got to get into something that you're truly passionate about, mm -hmm. something where you can find a home in because you'll see that there is a community in that home, whether it's in a company, whether it's in a specific startup mm -hmm. or corporate job, mm -hmm. there's a home. You just got to find your niche. Got you. So you mentioned about passion, right? Like your passion and your your true north, basically, in a sense, that drives you uh, that energy uh, to keep putting yourself in this uh, mode to constantly investing in what you're doing, right? So I wonder, where does that passion come from? So what makes you want to help others uh, to turn underdogs into winners? Like what's your personal story uh, in terms of, the passion. Yeah. So yeah. how it all started was when I was in college. Right. I remember applying to like hundreds of these jobs yeah. and I would hope that I'd receive response from one. Yeah. When in fact, I'd never heard back from any. And that's when I knew for a fact that there has to be a different way to get into these top tech companies coming from a non-target school. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I basically strategized on LinkedIn and got into all those companies, Snapchat, Google, and Cisco. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I, help a lot of non-target school students or non-traditional background uh, students and job seekers is because I relate to their story. And I still remember being in their shoes 
and being like, oh, like, what am I going to do in my career? Mm-hmm. Because I realized that the job process and the yeah. job search isn't as complex as people think. Mm-hmm. It's just that the system will teach you a way in which is not correct, but it hasn't adapted to the way that you can utilize LinkedIn or other platforms in order to get to that point mm-hmm. where you can turn that resume into a job offer. Mm-hmm. So it all just stems from my kind of background and story. And that's why consulting has been in the works for a while. And it all just came into fruition. Like it didn't happen just overnight. Uh-huh. Like Mary, I think a lot of people who are become entrepreneurs think it just happens overnight. Yeah. And that would scale quickly and significantly in like a month. I mean, you can, but it all takes time and patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the core things that you need to take into consideration when you're opening up your own company. Got you. So I really appreciate that you mentioned uh, the critical element of patience in this process. So can, can you tell me a little bit more about the earlier stage of building one salting? Uh, what are some of the key challenges that you face? Um, yeah. yeah, so key challenges were that I was just trying to get over the hump of seeing whether or not this would be a feasible company or not. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, well, now there's a lot of career coaching companies. Right. Before, there wasn't as many, I think. I mean, there's a lot that's been popping up on my feed, which is uh-huh. cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the struggles at first was just confidence. And confidence because, like, I never knew if it was going to work out or not. Mm-hmm. But you have to believe in your company and you have to have a community that believes in you because that translates into you believing in your company. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that we've been able to do have been because we've strategically approached the different problems and provided solutions towards them. Uh, and also, as well, we have like a value prop. Mm-hmm. Right? We target specific niche. And we want to keep that niche because a lot of different companies will just target everybody, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But if you have a specific niche and people will know you because of your company mm-hmm. and what you stand for, then that's what's important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, in the beginning, I just struggled with basically that confidence aspect and how I was over to overcome it was the support on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Like I actually started making LinkedIn content like two and a half years ago, three years ago, I got some pretty good engagement back then too as well. But a lot of it started popping off like this past year, Uh uh, which has been great, you know, but I'm always here just to help people. Like I don't put, I don't put myself first over anybody else. Mm -hmm. I always try to put the customers and the users first, because when you do, it shows that you are willing to go above and beyond to make sure that people are happy. Well, that's very impressive. Like only over two and a half, three years uh, that there seems to be a very influential engagement on your content, on the platform that you built and one salting for sure. Uh, so I think one thing that I'm very curious to hear, you know, your story is that in terms of um, one salting, it's mainly, I believe, focused on online engagement, right? So how do you keep your employees motivated when it's all operating online? How do you make sure that people are committed to what they're doing, uh, keep contributing to this community that you care so much about? Good question. So for my employees slash mentees, yeah. it's, I strategically choose them, not because of their experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, experience does play a role, but honestly, the 
the way I pick my mentees is literally if they follow my advice, which I post all the time, mm-hmm. or they're just always giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. I think if you have those two different things, then it's going to be very important, especially with your growth and advancement. And so how they adapted, especially with virtual, yeah. is that number one, we have weekly meetings. Uh-huh. Uh, number two, I have them do workshops for different schools and universities if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, I'll shout them out, specifically either on the Wonsulting page or the Wonsulting uh, website mm-hmm. or my own content. Number four, they just love, yeah, they just love helping people. Like you see, like people, the cool thing about Wonsulting is that if you, or a consulting mentee or part of consulting, people know who you are, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. I think that's a really good value prop that we bring to the table because that's why I always stress my mentees, like, hey, go to recruiters and professionals, say that you and that are connected with me or a part of consulting, and say you're a mentee. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't know if you've noticed, Mary, that all of my mentees, we have about 30 of them, have all received offers from top companies coming from non-target, non-traditional backgrounds. Right. All of them. So that's the reason why, because we've built that community and we've been able to actually partner with employers, uh-huh. like not collaborate, partner. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people get confused with partnerships versus collaboration. Yes. Because I see a lot of people, I was like, oh, I'm partnering with this, co- with these, but you're partnering. It's not partnering. You're, you're collaborating. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, a partnership is like a long, like a longer term mm-hmm. uh, need, right? So yeah, we partner with a lot of these different um, employers. So mm-hmm. it's going to happen on One Soul Thing Project 2020, which is going to be great. <laughs> I'm super excited actually for the One Soul Thing Project 2020. Um, I, I really have not seen any other, like seriously, no other uh, initiatives out there that's quite the same or quite similar to the uh, One Soul Thing 2020, uh, especially it's like specifically tailored to the need for the current challenge, right? People got offers rejected or Internships got canceled. Uh, all that challenges. I think it's very great that One Solding is addressing that issue and trying to move forward uh, to bring the opportunities to students or young professionals. Yeah, yeah I was going to say no, definitely. And that project is hopefully going to help a ton of students get those three bullets on their resume mm-hmm. because, like, a lot of people don't have internships or job opportunities right now. Right. So that really fixes the need. But the, also the thing, Mary, is this like. Mm-hmm. The projects are going to be shown to employ our employer partners mm-hmm. who are coming to present webinars for the people who participate, which is amazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm super excited because, like, I've been reaching out to lots of hiring managers and recruiters to partner with them, and they've been down because they, we, we tell them all the students that are coming, and they're super excited. So uh, yeah, I'm so excited to release the full lineup because mm-hmm. it's getting big. <laughs> <laughs> So how do yeah. you, uh, because because of the scale of this project, how do you make sure uh, the full participation from both parties? So on one hand, for young professional students, on the other, for the companies, how to make sure the quality uh, engagement uh, for, for the, all the participants in this project because of the scale? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, one important part is, number one, communication. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure that, we communicate effectively what they should specifically put into their project. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to assign some projects, but then also some people already have already built their projects, which is incredible. So we got to make sure that's communicated. Number two, we got to communicate what roles are these recruiters and hiring managers recruiting for? Mm-hmm. I mean, some are recruiting for technical roles. Mm-hmm. Some are recruiting for business roles. Mm-hmm. 
just depends. Mm -hmm. So we try to target specifically people who are willing to come speak mm -hmm. that are actually recruiting. So mm -hmm. that's the one thing that we try to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, even if, for example, the project doesn't get picked, you still have a project mm -hmm. that you could showcase to employers and put on your resume. That's the main point of it, right? The main point is just to get that student or, or professional or job seeker those three bullets. If you able to get those three bullets, then you'll be fine when you come to the next recruiting cycle. Got you. Well, uh, I really am looking forward to that project and uh, hope I, I cannot wait to see the end result, uh, you know, into the fall, like how this whole project flourish. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to more success stories coming from Wong Salting. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing I am curious to know is that is there like a diversity and inclusion initiative at consulting? Oh, wonderful question. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely working on that currently right now. I mean, we actually target a lot of people in diversity and inclusion, specifically the organizations. Mm -hmm. So we will go to organizations such as Alpha, mm -hmm. Association of Latino Festivals for America, right. and present there mm -hmm. to help, especially like minority backgrounds. Um, speak to these students and professionals to get them into their careers. Mm -hmm. Not only that, Filipinos, like I just spoke to a Filipino, actually in the Philippines, it was mm -hmm. a place in the Philippines mm -hmm. called Gal Cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, and we spoke to them in regards to how they can get recruited uh, during COVID-19. But yeah, we have some of our team working on diversity and inclusion efforts, mm -hmm. especially with the recruiting side, mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't know this. If you are, are a minority, mm -hmm. you can get into these companies through the diversity and inclusion initiatives that they have. Right. Because they are looking for diverse candidates. Mm -hmm. Because most of the people, like most companies, if I'm being transparent, are mostly a specific race. And the minority ones, like I remember when I was at Google, like I'm a Filipino. Mm -hmm. Filipinos are less than 1%. So are African-Americans are very low in the percentage rate and Latinos. Right. So all these companies have a diversity and inclusion organization mm -hmm. uh, that you could ultimately reach out to mm -hmm. and if you come from that background mm -hmm. they're more willing to speak to you so um yeah diversity inclusion is super important mm -hmm. i feel like it's very important especially during these times because right. not only the things that have been like announced but you actually see in a lot of big corporate companies that their c-suite are not as diverse as people think exactly so, mm -hmm. and you need and you need those diverse perspectives the reason being is because of this like mm -hmm. If we only have one perspective specifically with, let's just say that 20 people are from the same ethnicity, right? Or the same background, mm -hmm. they're not going to get perspectives and feedback where you're going to be able to improve. People mm -hmm. are just going to be like, okay, I approve. Mm -hmm. But you want to have both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. I think this is extremely important in today's society. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm super passionate about this is because a lot of people will only look at one side of the coin. Mm -hmm. They won't hear multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you have to look at multiple perspectives for making an educated decision, mm -hmm. whether it's in regards to a person, uh, a decision to make for a company, mm -hmm. and all of that. Got you. Um, I, I really appreciate that you mentioned about this mindset of improvement, because uh, I think diversity, as you mentioned, is the core for companies or any organizations to grow. Um, and definitely, I think there's a saying out there that uh, people, the, intentionally the customers, they want to feel like the employees look like the customers in a way because mm -hmm. they're going to speak to them. Um, and so he, 
here's my question for you. So what do you think is the challenge that currently the top, you know, because you mentioned about executive level, right? It's still not, not as diverse as it is. So what's the challenge in terms of bringing more diversity into those top positions? Do you think it's the pipeline issue? Do you think it's top-down issue? Like, what's your stand on that? I think it's unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say this is because I was just on a webinar a few few days ago, yeah. and we we're talking about unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. I think just people have uh, unconscious bias, like based off, you know, they of course, like for example, people would rather choose someone who's their own ethnicity or their own background story, right. rather than someone who wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, for me, I would probably pick a Filipino, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm Filipino, so mm-hmm. I. Pro- Probably would if mm-hmm. I were just like being focused on that one side of the coin. Mm-hmm. But now I try to consider in regards to the different perspectives. And that's why our team, like my team at Want Sulting, is extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. Like we have literally every ethnicity. I'm trying to think. Yeah, we basically do. Like okay. as a mentee and on the team, I mm-hmm. can't think of anybody else who, anybody who isn't the same. All right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of these companies, like, yeah, most of their C-suite are a specific race, right? Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, you would, as a person, you would probably be biased to pick your own background or your own uh, your own ethnicity, if I'm just being real, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the way you could change that is basically not looking at it by the color of a person's skin, but instead the content of their character mm-hmm. and what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important to consider because... I would actually love someone on my team who would not only has great ideas, but has maybe different ideas that are different than mine, because Mm -hmm. then I would be able to see both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's extremely important, especially with uh, these big corporate companies to look at those, both of those sides. Got you. Um, So I think one thing that you mentioned is the, this phenomenon of unconscious bias. So I believe there's another term for it also. It's like stereotypes that people have uh, yeah. to a certain group of people. So in terms of at a workplace or in the community, right? For example, at One Sulting, uh, how do you address uh, the issue of stereotypes or what, what, what are the action steps that could be taken to break those stereotypes, to open up more of the conversation because i think a lot of time people want to hold back people don't want to touch sensitive issues uh they don't want to feel like oh like i'm insensitive or anything so they just sort of instead of open up they just kind of hold back so what what do you think uh as a leader yourself can do to push that initiative to be more open yes so we did this on the uh for the amplify yeah just got to amplify the voices of the community because people do not know what, how other people are feeling. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like when we had our Amplify event, our first one, our black panel, we had some, our black panelists mm-hmm. and Ola Shani, which is one of my mentees, was asking them how they were feeling. And they just had some powerful words that I never heard before because I've never heard that perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to amplify those voices and not have those stereotypes. I know it's harder said than done, but if you think about it, right, if you look at Asian people, what do you automatically think? They're smart, right? Not every Asian person is smart. Yeah. If you think of someone black, what do you think of? Oh, they're probably good at sports, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. It's, it's that bias aspect, which you shouldn't be biased all the time with that, mm-hmm. right? So um, it's definitely important to take that away and not think 
automatically that these people associate with a stereotype. You have to consider it from all those sides of the coin in perspective, because if you do, then you're going to be able to see that we aren't so aren't as different as you think. So, yeah, I mean, it's very important to amplify those voices and it's important to also reach out to people and it's not someone's, it's not me, my job to educate a person on Filipino issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it should be the person's job to educate themselves mm -hmm. on the issues at hand. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. for example, if it was, why is it my, why is it my job to talk about these issues with someone who wasn't educated? Mm -hmm. and the person who wants to get educated and learn more and different perspectives, they would do the research themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's why I try to give them like amplify the voices on a, on our platform because it's very important to have those perspectives. And if we can be able to reach thousands of people mm -hmm. in those perspectives, yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, I, I absolutely see how the impact is like a ripple effect is like one initiative could definitely bring out more of those positive voices to bring out this uh, attention to diversity and inclusion. Uh, so you mentioned about like wanting people to educate themselves about the issue. So what are some of the resources that you recommend people to look into if they want to educate themselves about, uh, let's say, racial inequality or discrimination or stereotypes or the matter? Do, do you think they should turn to, uh, like what, what should they turn to when they want to educate themselves? Yeah, so you can do one of two things. Number one, you can go look at people on LinkedIn that are always advocating for uh, these different initiatives. One of them being my good friend, Akasua. Mm -hmm. She is amazing. She always talks about black inequality and also a lot of resources that she specifically uh, posted. She's really good with that. And Lizzie Jones too, as well. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Both of them are amazing, amazing black leaders in today's society, especially on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So those are two people that you could reach out to in mm -hmm. regards to figuring out or learning more about those uh, different resources. Mm -hmm. Number two, if I'm just saying in Lehman terms, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why you just type in like Asian resources or Latino resources or Latino perspectives, mm -hmm. right? Or Black Lives Matters uh, resources. By doing that, you can be able to educate yourself in these different endeavors. And then number three, I'll add one more too as well. I mean, you see a lot on social media, uh, especially on Instagram, people sharing different resources on their stories. Like mm -hmm. that's a good resource too as well, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're trying to find different things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you ever see someone sharing something on a story and it has resources on it, what I would do is go to that Instagram page and then go look at the resources that they have available. Got you. Well, th those are wonderful advice. I believe like, Making the most out of those uh, obvious things out there can definitely help people to build a better, more diverse community where everybody could feel the sense of belonging uh, instead of feeling that they couldn't bring their true self to work or true, true self to the community. Um, so I, I, I was wondering, um, in terms of, uh, you know, building a sense of belonging in a different place, right? Either is at work or in a field that one is not familiar with, uh, or like an organization one is not familiar with, what do you, uh, what advice would you give to folks who just started out in a new environment, either it's workplace or in a new country or in a new place where they're struggling to find 
who are just starting out to build a sense of belonging? Like, what do you, what advice do, would you give them to quickly build this new sense of home in this totally new, different place? Yeah. So if you're just starting at a company, yeah, I would. If your company has employee resource groups, mm -hmm. I would check those out. Mm -hmm. Those are very important. Like whenever I joined a corporate company, I looked for employee resource groups because. Yeah. I knew that they would welcome me with open arms mm -hmm. and then I could see which one would be the best fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, number two, I would look at my team, not only my team, but then also external teams that are associated with my team. So mm -hmm. for example, my team at Cisco was uh, like sales communities, mm -hmm. but then the whole org is go to market strategy. So I would look at the whole org and then go see who works in the company that I could reach out to and have coffee chats with. Mm -hmm. And how you can also do this too as well is go on LinkedIn, go type in go-to-market strategy, for example, and then I can go find everybody at Cisco that works in that field, mm -hmm. and then I go look them up internally. I think that's very important, especially with finding your home, because the more chats you have, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't just, for example, just put your head down and do your work and expect to find a home, Yeah. because your home is going to be literally on your laptop. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's why it's important to network as best you can, because uh -huh. when you do, then able to see that there's so many other people out there that are willing to help mm -hmm. and welcome with open arms got you so i think it gets back to your earlier point about finding community or building a community uh, so that one can feel like you have to kind of start from somewhere uh to kind of take that initiative to find your crowd right i think that's that's uh if i understand correctly that's like your key point here yeah because mm -hmm. when you're able to do that, then that's important too. You know, I would do too as well. Whenever you are starting a new role, I would post it on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and just tag the company mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, everybody, hey, I started this new role. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, et cetera, because you never know who is going to look at that. Mm -hmm. Because when I did that at Cisco, uh -huh. my post got 3 million views, uh -huh. 45,000. 45,000 likes, I think, or less than 45,000 likes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's when hundreds of people, Mary, hundreds of people from Cisco reached out to me. Wow. Even like the chief communications officer, everybody, just from a simple LinkedIn post. So that's why I recommend people to do that because then you'll see that other people will be like, welcome, welcome. You know? mm -hmm. Like they want, want you to feel you uh, like you're at home when you're working. Uh, in exactly. Got you, got you. Wow, that's actually very impressive. You give me the numbers. I was like, uh, it's totally incredible how like, you know, like a post like that could just like attract so much traffic. You know, you know why? It's mm -hmm. because Jeff Wiener, Jeff Wiener liked and shared it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why. Got you. Um, so I, I really appreciate that you share all like your insights about how to build. Thanks so much, Jonathan, for sharing with us today about your stories and insights into the power of home and how to build a sense of belonging in the workplace. I think there are three key takeaways from this episode. The first one is the importance of building and seeking out communities. The process of finding home is really built through one's connections with others, and one can really not do that alone. The second point would be 
the importance of being open to diverse perspectives from people of all backgrounds, so that we are not only build home for ourselves, but also build a sense of home for others. And finally, uh, we really want to revisit the core message that Jonathan shared with us at the beginning of this episode, which is home is where the heart is. When we really bring out the passion and energy to everything we do in life, we really feel in sync with ourselves, so that we feel anchored at home. To find out more information of all the amazing events, or to support diversity and inclusion initiatives, or to seek out partnerships with One Salting, please check out onesalting.com or the LinkedIn page for more information. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Where Is Home podcast with your host Mary Yuan. If you're inspired and feel that you really learned more about what home means, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with anyone whom you think would really resonate with and benefit from the conversations about home. I'm so happy that I got to be on this journey with you to explore home and to create our happy places together.